0: Good morning, so my name is Matt Howe, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills and uh, excited that you're here with us today. I know today is graduation day for our Turpin and Anderson students and so uh, we have several folks who I'm sure are tuning into us live stream from graduation. (laughs) Uh, But we do wanna welcome all those who are with us on live stream for sure. We're in week five of our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. And for those of you that were here last week, Uh, you know that we talked about how Jesus kind of comes along and raises the bar of expectation, particularly as it applies to the law. So last week, uh, we read the text where Jesus says, You have heard it said uh, to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. We talked about that. The issue of anger kind of hit home with some of us, I'm sure, most of us probably. Well, today we look at another one of these, you have heard it said, but I tell you, statements from Jesus. So this is Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. It is better for you to lose one part of your whole body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery." So this is one of those passages in scripture that we can't just simply hop over, right? Like we're going we're gonna to preach a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, and it would be really easy to just pick and choose the parts that we like, the topics that are easy to talk about, and to ignore all the hard stuff. Well, Anderson Hills is not a church that believes in doing that. We believe in tackling the difficult things, the hard things, just like we do some of the easier stuff. And so here Jesus moves from the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, to the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. Once again, Jesus is pointing out to the Pharisees and to those who are listening to him that true obedience to the commandments comes from the heart. This time he raises the bar to an impossible height. To even look at a woman lustfully, or for women to look at a man lustfully, is to be guilty of adultery in one's heart. Now, Jesus is not saying that it is wrong to look at someone of the opposite sex and find them attractive. Okay, I think if that were the case, we would all be doomed, right? It's not wrong to be attracted to someone. We are attracted to people for all sorts of different reasons. There is, however, a big difference between looking and lusting. Now, by definition, to lust is to have a strong desire for. It's to want to possess and or to dominate completely. That's what lust is. In today's world, there are multiple things that we lust after. Power, money, idols, and of course, sex. So the church, the church must help beloved people to guard against lust. We must help lead people out of their lustful Ways. As Christians, we must allow God's principles and standards to dwell within our hearts. In his book, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis says this: He says, Lust is a poor, weak, whimpering, whispering thing compared with that richness and energy of desire which will arise when lust has been killed or destroyed. What is Lewis saying? He is saying that freedom from lust will produce liberty. Liberty of mind, liberty of body, liberty of spirit. Jesus gets very specific on this subject of lust. You'll notice that Jesus here is addressing men, although I would say that this subject is applicable to all. Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, then gouge it out. And throw it away, for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So serious is lusting that Jesus goes on to say that what we should should do with respect to the lustful eye, to the wondering hand, or to anything else that might become a stumbling block for us. We need to be utterly ruthless with sin. If there is something that would cause us to trip up, if there is something that would cause us to sin, then we need to, as Jesus says, gouge it out or cut it off. Now, we don't want to take this too seriously, too literally, I guess you could say. We won't be handing out any doctor's tools this morning, all right? We don't want any gouging or cutting off to be done in the service. But Jesus does use some pretty extreme language here. Why? Because he wants to protect us. His teaching on this subject, just like his teaching on any other subject, is vital for us to hear. It is vital for us to obey. He warns us because he knows that it is difficult not to lust after the opposite sex he also knows how damaging lust can be. If looking at something leads us to sin in our hearts, then it's very simple. Don't look. If doing something leads us towards sin, it's very simple. Don't do it. If going somewhere leads us to sin, then by all means, don't go. It's so simple, and yet it's not simple at all. It's like what the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 18 through 20. Paul writes, he says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins that a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, and therefore honor God with your bodies. I love the word that Paul uses in verse 18, because I don't think there would be another word that would be more fitting for this. Paul says, flee. When it comes to sexual immorality, we must flee. I mean, think about all the things in this life, think about all the things in this world that we are to flee from. I mean, we're taught at a very early age to flee from fires. Get out. Get away. If I'm driving down the road and a storm is building and I see a tornado, I better start heading in the other direction. I better flee. Oncoming traffic. You better flee. I talked about Kroger's parking lot last week. You better get inside and get to shopping. You're risking your life to hang out in the parking lot. Hornet's nest. I mean, think about it. There's just a list a mile long of things that we are told to flee from. Well, guess what? Add sexual immorality to the list. Add sexual sin to the list. Church, we are to flee from the dangerous enjoyment of sexual pleasure outside of where God has so firmly planted it, which is marriage between one man and one woman. We are to flee. We must fill ourselves with Christ and be ready to flee from sexual immorality in any form. Think of it this way. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. Sexual pleasure can never fill us the way that Christ can. So how, then, do we fill ourselves with Christ? It starts with believing that Jesus really is the bread of life. Jesus said, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. We have to fill ourselves up with his word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We must fill our lives up with God's people. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you have already fallen into sexual sin. In a room this size, I would say that that is inevitable. Perhaps you're here this morning, and you are in over your head. There's a a tendency that when we fall into sexual sin, we're tempted to go hide. To hide in the dark. Pretend that that thing isn't happening. However, I will say this. If we are ever going to heal, then we are going to have to confess it, And to confess it means to bring it to the light. Confession brings sin to the light and light to our eyes to see what we can never see in the dark. And that is the holiness of God. Coming to Christ means coming out of hiding and living in the light as he himself is in the light. As Christians, the best best thing to do, of course, is to just stay in light at all times again if going somewhere is going to cause a sin then by all means don't go if you look over and see darkness waiting for you then stay in the light if turning on your television or your computer late at night when everyone else in the house is asleep then go to bed first get rid of your tv get rid of your computer Buy some sort of blocking software. I mean, this isn't rocket science, folks. But you know what? you got to want to change. you got to want to be in the light. you got to confess your sin. Only then can he forgive you and cleanse you and begin to build you up. In addition to talking about lust, and in addition to talking about adultery in this passage, Jesus also addresses divorce. Jesus says that divorce can be tantamount to adultery. Now, listen, I know that many of you in here have probably experienced or been influenced or, or whatever by divorce. Whether it be you personally, whether it be your parents, whether it be someone you care about. There may have been infidelity or other painful circumstances that led to that divorce. And this is what I want you to hear first and foremost, okay? And this is what I want you to hear from the heart of this church. And that is that Anderson Hills is not a place of judgment so much as it is a place of healing and hope and restoration. You can, no matter what your past looks like, you can heal in God's love. You can grow in your single singleness, right? You can grow in your current relationship with your current spouse. But having said that, I do think that we all know that God's intent for marriage is permanent. We all took vows to the such. And what I do want us to hear and what I think Jesus wanted his hearers to hear is that we need to avoid the casual attitude to divorce that regards marriage as something that we can simply throw away, something that we can simply set aside. When something breaks down in our day and time, we tend to what? We tend to toss it, especially if the cost is too high or, the, or it's just too time-consuming to fix. Well, unfortunately, we live in a culture that now handles marriage the same way it handles a dishwasher. If things start to break down, we just simply discard the old one and what? Move on to the shiny new one. The scriptures speak of marriage as a covenant. Not a contract. God established the covenant of marriage in order to bring glory to God by honoring Him through the way a husband and wife relate to one another. God's intention through the marriage covenant is that two individuals would become one in mind, body, and spirit, that the two become one together, and that the two become one with Him. That's God's desire. This idea of covenant looks radically different from our culture's idea of a contract. The marriage covenant is based on God's love. A marital contract is based on man's law. The marriage covenant is viewed through the spouse's eyes. A marital contract is viewed through my eyes. The marriage covenant goes by the saying, what's mine is yours and a marital contract what's mine is mine the marriage covenant prepares us for life together but a marital contract prepares us for life apart in his sermon on the mount jesus is saying that a piece of paper a simple certificate of divorce should not bring the marriage to an end any more than a certificate or piece of paper makes the marriage begin Jesus recognizes the painful truth that things don't always work out as God intended. There are things that can break a marriage, like sexual immorality. If one person in the marriage is unfaithful, then that can break the marriage even in God's sight. However, that is not always the case. Not every marriage that ends in divorce ends because of a lying, cheating, or abusive partner. And Jesus wants us to understand that marriage is going to be hard work. It is not always easy. Sometimes it is downright messy. Can I get an amen? But there are some things that we can do in order to make sure that our marriages are at least as strong as they possibly can be. And so I want to give you some of that. Because I want to give you hope. You know, this isn't a message of shame, 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 right? We're not trying to tear anyone down here this morning. We're trying to build each other up. And so here's what we can do. And young people who aren't, here, who aren't there yet, who've never been married, but maybe who long to be married someday, I want you listening to this. And folks who've been in marriages that have broken down and ended in divorce, and that's where you are, but you're hoping someday maybe to be married again, listen to this. Those of you who have decided, you know what, I'm just going to be single my whole life, praise God. <laughs> right? But listen, here are these things. The first thing that, that God wants... He wants us to love him more than we love the world. That's a very first necessary step. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, then love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The first and greatest commandment was to love the Lord our God. The more we love God, the less we love this world. I promise you. I promise you that the more I have grown in my love for Almighty God, the more I have looked onto this world with pain in my eyes. Some days it downright breaks my heart. This world has very little in common with the kingdom of heaven. This is why Jesus admonishes us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what? On earth as it is in heaven. God knows things here don't look like what they should. So love God more. Love the world less. The second thing is to nurture our relationships with our spouses. A healthy marriage, you know this, takes time. What if we were to pursue our spouse the same way that God pursues us, relentlessly? Court them, seek after them, woo them every day in the same way that we courted, sought after, and wooed them before we were married. If your Monday through Friday takes you away from the home and away from the marriage, then what are you making of your Saturday and Sunday? Are you coming home from work in the evenings only to head right back out the door? Are your kids' busy lives robbing you and your spouse of any real quality time? Do you have a regularly scheduled date night? Is there a time when you forsake everything else for the sake of your marriage? Are you, on your, and, you and your spouse on the same page spiritually? You've probably heard the old adage, a couple that prays together, what? Stays together. It's very true. Listen, church, if the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, then perhaps the definition of insanity within the context of marriage is no longer doing the things that you always did, expecting to get the results you always got. It's not going to happen. We must also keep accountability. We must find someone who is willing to hold us accountable. A family member, a friend, a coworker of the same sex, by the way. This is very important. We should not, nor are we meant to, traverse these dangerous waters of life on our own. When we withdraw, when we isolate ourselves, we make ourselves more susceptible to the enemy's arrows. We must monitor our media intake. Now, this one sounds simple, (laughs) but it often isn't. Here's the deal, church. Don't become more social with media than you are with your spouse. Long for the here and now. Long for the world that you are in and the people that you are in it with. Your spouse and your children, rather than longing for some fantasy world out there. I promise you, the grass is not greener on the other side. Watch the influences that we allow into our lives. We must, above all else, guard our hearts and minds. You've heard the childhood saying Be careful, little eyes, what you see, be careful, little ears. What you hear. Be careful. Full of care. Surround yourselves with things that are going to build you up, not tear you down. A few years ago, contemporary Christian artists casting crowns, uh, they wrote a song called Slow Fade. And the chorus of this song sounds like this. It's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices are made, and a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. I want us to watch this this morning. Business, this
1: isn't easy! second glance that ties your hands As darkness pulls the strings Be careful little feet Where you go For it's the little feet behind you That are sure to follow It's a slow fade When you give yourself away It's a slow fade when black and white turn to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day, it's a slow. always near be careful little lips what you say for empty words and promises leave broken hearts astray Do you have to?
0: Well, maybe they can do without me this time. I must have to gather myself a little bit after that. <coughs> Folks, our families are under attack. <laughs> um, your family, my family, our families, facing so many battles day in and day out, financial battles, medical battles, cultural battles, battles that stem from the media, real pressures at work, real pressures at school, mixed up values, you name it. Whether you're a husband or wife in a dating relationship or a single, we want to challenge you to put on your boxing gloves and step into the ring. Why? Because the family and relationships are worth fighting for. Why? Because Christ Jesus thought that relationships were worth dying for. In a room this size, we probably have people all over the spectrum on this topic. And what I would say is if you need prayer for anything in relation to this morning's message, come to the altar. If you are struggling with an unhealthy addiction, or if you know someone who is, come to the altar. If you have been a victim of adultery, come to the altar. If your marriage is on the fast track to divorce, or you are still recovering from a divorce, then come to the altar. If you need healing come to the altar. If your marriage or your relationships need restoring, if you feel helpless, if you feel hopeless, if you feel abandoned or alone, then come to the altar. Right now, where you are, where you are seated. the band's gonna start to play, they're gonna start to sing. I don't want anybody standing to their feet right now. I just want us to pray. There'll be prayer ministers who'll be up front that are ready to pray with you, to come alongside of you. If you'd rather just stay where you are, that's fine. If you want to grab hands with your spouse right now, with your children, and just pray over your family and say, God, help me to make my marriage and family life stronger. That's what I want us to do today. I'm going to get us started, and then Eric's going to sing. God, we just, whew, we just claim your spirit for our families, over our family. God, there is no better way for the enemy to get a stronghold, to get a foothold, God, than to attack the family, than to attack the Christian family. And Father, we can all come in agreement here this morning. No matter how much this issue has touched our life, Father, we can come in agreement saying no more, no more devil, no more enemy. God, help help us from this moment this day, May 26, 2019, forward. God to be rooted in you, rooted in your love, rooted in your grace and in your forgiveness and in your healing and in your hope and in your restorative work, God. May we lay claim to our marriages in Jesus name. Well. God help us in our time of need. Help us in our weakness. Help us in our sin and our addiction. God, help us to come free, to confess freely. We are bought at a price. We know this. Your blood was spilled for us. We know this. Your blood covers our sin. We have life abundant and free and eternal because of who you are. So help us, Jesus Christ, this morning.